Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Brett Allen, and this is the Open Mic Podcast, a pop culture podcast. And today we have our much-anticipated interview with Bill Ingvall, comedian Bill Ingvall. He has a story arc that is premiering tomorrow night, Last Man Standing on Fox. He's had such a fun role on this show as Reverend Paul, and Bill talks about that in this interview, along with the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, what the moment was like when they decided to call it quits, what touring might look like during the pandemic or after. After the pandemic, first shows back, spending too much time at home, being able to spend time with his kids and grandkids and just a lot of other things, really retrospective and reflective on his career. 40 years he has been in the comedy game. That's unbelievable. I'm 40 years old, so I mean, I'm 46, (laughs) but uh, just to think that he's been doing that for so long and really to be able to come to an honest place and say that he feels like that he has met and accomplished every single goal that he set out to do. What an iconic place to be in, and I really think you're going to appreciate and enjoy my interview with Bill Ingvall. Again, thank you so much for listening and being a supporter of the show. www.theopenmicpodcast.show is where you can catch all the latest interviews. Again, thanks for listening and being a part of today's podcast. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Prepare to be astonished! With Brett Allen. Dude, we are so gonna party! A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven! Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's equally an honor as well. And we were talking, he and I, before we started rolling, that, <laughs> how funny is this? They're, they're in the middle of moving. He said he's going back to school and his wife <laughs> bought a new car. So it sounds like you have a lot keeping you busy, it sounds. Uh, it's either that or she's trying to kill me. I don't know which <laughs> one it is. but Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned school. Are you you're taking classes as well? Or were you joking about that? <laughs> no, actually, uh, kind of... Uh, to dovetail into what we were just talking about, but uh, Last Man Standing, when I got called the first time to play the character of Reverend Paul, you know, and I had played a lot of characters on sitcoms and stuff, but this one really felt good. And I felt comfortable and felt uh, organic. For whatever reason, I I decided to go back to college and get a degree in theology in, uh, because the first time I went to college, it didn't go well at all. Uh, It actually went great, but not for grades. Uh, <laughs> for other things it went really yeah, well so i i enrolled in this uh, online school uh, uh, in arizona uh grand canyon university and i'm getting my uh bachelor's in christian studies and uh it's it. been really fun i'm about to wrap it up i got a class and a half and i finally get that little piece of paper that says i i, I graduated college that's fantastic and grand canyon's a great school as well well, let's talk about Last Man Standing because you have another story arc coming up here in the coming weeks. And one of the things that I like about your character, well, there's a lot of things. I mean, just the camaraderie you have with Nancy. We we mentioned early on as well that she was with you on another show uh, and you were saying that you like to tease uh, Tim and tell him uh, how, how was it or how is it filming your show, which is kind of ironic, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, like you said, who knows which way life's going to take you. And 
you know, we had, we did the Bill Ingvall show for three seasons and it was great. I had a blast. Uh, it was the last feather in my cap as far as, you know, achieving uh, every goal I've ever set in front of me. And when, uh, you know, and Tim is amazing. He's a mega star. I mean, it's, uh, I yeah. get it. I, I totally get it. But, and we have a great time. You know, there was, I shot one episode where it was me, Jay Leno and Tim all on the same show. And man, that couldn't have been a more fun week. Cause it was just a joke a thon, you know, in oh, between sure. takes. Oh, and Leno's got all the old jokes and, uh, and it was just really a fun, fun experience. And, and it continues to be, I hope that they're going to call me back, uh, for some more episodes before they finally put it in the can. And, uh, this episode that's coming up uh, is interesting because it's interesting how this whole uh, religion thing is kind of storyline is playing. And yes, on, on the show, uh, Kyle uh, is uh, is getting ready to go into the ministry. Uh, and this episode is interesting because one of the things I love about this character is that, that Reverend Paul's really the only character that can go toe to toe with Mike. Uh, you know, Mike has a, a very strong personality, but I got God on my side. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> and so this storyline is that we both Mike and Reverend Paul want, uh, Mike wants, uh, uh, Kyle to go on a fishing trip with him, a hunting trip because Kyle cooks and does all that. And, yes. Uh, and I want Kyle to, to do some work around the church. And so it becomes this kind of inner battle between Mike and Paul, Reverend Paul about who's going to get Kyle. And in the, <laughs> and in the end, we both realized that we were both, you know, being very petty and that, 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 that Kyle is doing things because he wants to do them and because it makes people feel good. Just like he goes on the hunt trips because he knows it makes Mike feel good. He works in the church. because He knows it makes me feel good. And one of my favorite scenes at the end of the scene is just me and Tim kind of looking at each other like, Wow, we really we really stooped on that one. That was a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I really like about your character and Kyle's character is over the seasons, he's kind of been the one that gets picked on a lot. I, you know, he's it's changed over the years as it's progressed, but you have taken him under your wing as the minister, as the reverend, and shown him a little bit of a different side, a little bit of grace and things like that. So I like the fact that with you, there's a different dynamic and he's matured over the years. He's grown up on the show. I was watching reruns a few days ago with my son back in the day when it first came out and, and everybody has just grown on the show. And so right. I'm kind of sad that it has ended, you know, but I guess that's how it goes in Hollywood. You know, things come and go and uh, it's fun. And then, of course, you get to act with Nancy again, which is hilarious. I love it. When you first found out that you were going to be working together with her again, what was that like for you? Were you excited about it? And like, this is going to be a lot of fun to be opposite of her again, just kind of on a different show and a different format. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens when you are on a show for multiple seasons is that you really become a family, if you will, uh, with your TV family. Uh, I can remember uh, you know, Jennifer Lawrence coming onto the show and she was 15, 16 years old. And, you know, you watch them grow. Uh, I watched uh, the kid, one of the kids who uh, played my son, Skylar Gisondo, who was in the, the wonderful movie, uh, The Social Dilemma. Yeah. And, you know, I remember him when he was a 
seven-year-old little boy running around the set, you know? So it's, uh, it's exciting when you get a chance to catch up with people again, like Nancy and I have a, a really solid friendship. Uh, and she, she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot about acting. She taught me a lot about, uh, just how to carry myself around the set and, uh, she's one of those ladies that will work till she decides she doesn't want to work. Uh, she's just, she can, she can fit into any role and she brings just nothing but 110%. And, uh, and she's doing it on Tim's show right now. And it's, so it's always fun to see. And, you know, even the, in the few episodes I've done Reverend Paul, I've gotten to really establish a relationship with the rest of the cast as well, you know, uh, and it's always fun to see them. And they're always like, Oh man, I'm so, I saw you were back. We're so happy. You know, so it's nice, you know. Yeah, it's a great show. And I like the fact that I can watch it with my six-year-old. He likes it. He thinks it's funny. And, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, pausing it or fast forwarding it. Or right. I mean, your kids are all grown now. So, um, but you get it because, you know, they're a sponge. And it's funny that they just repeat things. You know, I'm proud of the show that because anybody can watch it. But that's always been like my, my kind of my mantra is that yes, even in my stand up, you know, I don't want I want to know I want the family to know they can come. Now, there's stuff kids aren't going to get. Sure. But what I don't do is I don't pander. I don't you know, I don't say stuff just for shock value. And and if, if there is a joke that is uh, I always try to write a joke that maybe the parents will get it and the kids don't. Or the kids think it's something completely different than what it really means. And I got to tell you, you know, I uh, interesting enough, uh, I don't know, you may be too young to remember these, but uh, HBO did these things years ago in the 80s called the, the HBO One Night Stands. Yeah, I've seen reruns. I'm 46, yeah. so I, I've seen kind of reruns of them, you know, right. YouTube clips. Well, I've got turned down for everyone I ever went up for because they said you're not edgy enough, you're not urban enough. And I was like, whatever. And, you know, and now I've been doing this almost 40 years for plus 40 years. And so I know that the, so the, the, the equation works and, you know, that's what we did on blue collar too. The whole yeah. mantra was that we have to do this so the whole family can come. And, and it's, I hope that someday people will come back um, in bigger numbers to, to clean comedy. Uh, and, you know, there's, listen, there's a lot of, hysterical people. Uh, I wish I could do my show like Chris Rock or Kevin Hart or Bill Burr. You know, these guys, they, I laugh out loud I, you know, and I respect what they do, but it's just, I can't do it. And no, I get it. There's times I wish I could. In fact, I always joked with my friends. I said, the last show I ever do, I'm going to say everything I ever wanted to say on stage. <laughs> and my true friend, my dear friend went, no, you won't. No, he said, he said, you'll start and then you're going to go. Eh. And he's right. He's right. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes I think we get so caught up in trying to be uh, somebody else that we forget to be ourselves. And I'll tell you a, a, a story about that. When we started Blue Collar, we, we I think we went five years, six years. Uh, the first two, I didn't even enjoy it because I was too busy trying to be Jeff Foxworthy. Really? Well, you know, Jeff was the only uh, measuring stick I had to compare myself to because, you know, and he'd gone through the stratosphere with his popularity and all well-deserved. Uh, and I thought, well, that's the way I got to be, not realizing that I was forgetting who I was. And of all people, Ron White reminded me of that. And I don't even know to this day if he knows he did. Uh, we'd finished the show and we were sitting at a lounge uh, at the hotel. And he goes, you know, Bill, 
I remember a day because I remember I was in the room the first day Ron went on stage and I said his kids got something special uh, at the time he was a kid. Uh, and and we would play, you know, we always teased each other about following each other. And it won that night, night in the lounge. He goes, you know, Bill, I remember a time when I'd go up on stage and just gut the room. And then you'd come up with that slow delivery. And two minutes later, it was Ron who. And I and as soon as he said that, I, a light bulb went off and I go, wow. I forgot to be who got, I forgot to be Bill. I forgot to be what got me here to this, this level. Wow. And I think that happens a lot in this business. I think, especially in like in, in the acting thing, you know, you get, you get caught up in what you haven't done. Sure. And, you know, when I look back at my career, I've achieved every goal I ever set in front of myself. Uh, you know, a platinum albums, which I never even knew existed. Uh, I've been done TV shows. I've done movies. I've been on one of the biggest comedy tours that ever will probably, you'll never see again, uh, a tour like that. And, you know, NAMI Grammy nominations and, you know, and, and I look back and I go, wow, you've forgotten to really enjoy all the things that you've accomplished. And, you know, if I, if I said I'm stopping tomorrow, nobody could say, oh, you almost made it. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. The uh, but it's interesting how it uh, how you you find yourself uh, drinking from that well of like oh, I wish I'd have done this or how come I didn't get this and you know to realize that there's thousands of comedians that are looking at me going I would do it I would take his career right now I think so and that brings up an interesting conversation I was going to mention this later I want to talk about blue collar because you were part of several iterations of it. There was the four of you, then three, and then down to two, and then back to three, and then you would put some other people in there. Again, I agree with you. I think that's lightning in a bottle, so to speak, as far right. as like how amazing that was. When you're in the middle of that and you start having conversations about, okay, let's end this, let's bring it to an end. How do you come to that place to decide that you've done it all with that tour and it's time to just sort of move on and, and just continue to pursue your solo act that you've had so much success with? You know, that is a great question. Um, I think for us, we just knew, you know, we had played every major city. And, and I think the promoters did a great job of not burning us out. You know, in other words, we didn't leave mad at each other. You know, it, it wasn't like a Van Halen breakup. You know, it was... <laughs> I always look at it more like the Eagles. Like I can't tell you for a fact that it's done. I can't tell you for a fact it's going to come back either. But if I think uh, if, if it came brought, if it was brought up again, I think we all might say, let's do another year uh, because it was fun. It was, I mean, if you can imagine being on the road with three of your best friends, you're playing sold out arenas or throwing stupid money at, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Cause comedy is, is very much a lone wolf kind of business. Uh, yes. and, and that's good and bad. It's good because, uh, you know, you get to establish yourself. It's bad because, you know, when you're by yourself and you're on stage, you know, you got 2000 new best friends, but then they all go home and you go back to the room at the Ramada Inn or, you know, holiday Inn or whatever. And there's nobody there. Uh, you know, you, and you, it's a hard, and I think that's why you see a lot of substance abuse and alcoholism in comedy is because it's killing the pain. And I think that was, we didn't want to get to that point with blue collar where we didn't enjoy seeing each other. And, uh, you know, I think now that some time has passed, 
Uh, I think maybe people are going to start talking about it, and I hope they do. Uh, if they came to me, I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm back in, and I'd say, let's do, you know, my suggestion would be let's do a year. Let's pick a charity in each major city that will donate a certain amount of the proceeds because nobody's doing it for money anymore. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody's in that group has made their mark. And, 100%. And, and so uh, I hope they do. Uh, but yeah, it was difficult. It was hard. I mean, I, you know, I remember the first few times I went out by myself after the tour ended that I was thinking, oh man, I kind of missed the, even the pettiness that, you know, like, because we're like brothers. Oh, we're like four brothers. You know, you always wanted the other guy to be successful as long as you were too, you know, and we kidded each other and teased each other and, uh, and we all stay in touch. So it's, you know, I hope someday that maybe we can revisit it because uh, it, it sure was fun. I mean, I, as a comedian, I mean, we held the record for selling out the Nashville arena in 24 hours. Uh, and then we got beat by Bon Jovi. Now there's two, <laughs> there's no two terms. Those are two terms that never go together. Blue collar comedy and Bon no. Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that again, you know, I've been a, a, a lover of comedy forever. I've interviewed a lot of comedians and I get the part about where they perform. That's why Jim Gaffigan always talks about he brings his family with him everywhere he goes because it's like you have that high for an hour, however long you're performing, you're bringing the roof down. And then you said everybody goes home. And now it's like just you and the four walls of the hotel, whatever it is, you know, and now you have grandkids. And so there's just so many different layers to it all. And it is a very lone wolf. And I don't think there has been, I think the Kings of comedy, you know, DL and all those guys, they did their thing for a little bit, but I don't think they toured so much like you and Ron and all the other guys. And you've all had successful careers. I mean, I was watching some YouTube clips the other day of Ron when he first started an evening at the improv, you know, and had the long curly hair and was up there and you still see the same him and the same you when you were starting out. So I thank you for providing all those years, you know, of comedy and things. And, and you've been doing it so long. And now we're kind of in a pandemic and everything has stopped for everybody. Have you been able to do any sort of dates at this point? Or is everything just on a complete halt for you, like most of your uh, colleagues? Uh, basically, my work stopped. Uh, okay. I have a show coming up February 27th. It's the first one I've done since last February. Oh, wow. Uh, and you know that it's uh what's sad is at a time when we really needed comedy we couldn't provide it uh just because you couldn't have groups of people getting together and i don't know brett what the new normal is going to be uh i don't know what this show is going to look like i will tell you this that i if i was starting over right now i don't know that i would make it uh, because there's just not the avenues that there used to be uh you know and and to be able to find physical stand-up work, you know, where you go to clubs or whatever, because they're shut down. They're, they're not even, uh, you know, some of them are open, but it's on a limited seating basis. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that it comes back. I, I My gut is that it will come back. Uh, I guess for me, the question is how long will I keep going? Uh, you know, if it's at a, if it's at a, re, you know, uh, a reduced capacity and, you know, we're not, you know, the other problem you're going to run into, or not you, but the performers are going to run into is if we do get to a point where we're opening back up, 
these promoters have got a boatload of acts that want to get out and play. So it's going to, you know, that's why during this pandemic, I've done everything I, you know, as much as I can to try to stay out there and visible, uh, whether it's my, you know, I, I was doing something, this dumb little thing called uh, treadmill talks where I literally, I would literally get on the treadmill and just do a Facebook live. Uh, and it was just to keep my face in front of the fans so that when I, when we do get a comeback, they haven't forgotten, uh, you know, or not forgotten, but they have, you know, like, or that, it, so that when the promoters start putting these days together, they go, well, let's put Ingball in this one, this one. Sure. Uh, but yeah, if I, I really have a lot of respect for the guys that are just getting started because it's, it's going to be a rough road. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about that the other day and he was like, I don't know if I were starting out today and I had gone out to Hollywood or New York or somewhere and was just trying to get started, I might turn around and go back home because yeah. You know, there's not the idea because you still would go to the clubs and work out material. You have to do that. So you have to keep that muscle moving and in the gym, as they say, and keep things rolling. And so now you're I mean, I think for you, though, you've been at it for so long that it would probably be easy to get on stage and sort of start doing some new stuff, maybe some greatest hits and then throw in some other things. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. I tell you, I've seen (laughs) people do the Zoom shows. I've seen people do the drive-in theater shows. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews from a lot of comedians about it. So, but I like the fact that you've kind of gotten to a place where you're like, well, you know, if this is it, this is it. I don't want it to be it, but if it is. Well, you know, uh, it's funny because, uh, I actually, I just thought I just did one. I did one show at the, the depot in Salt Lake uh, where we live and the, it seats 1200 people and they sold 200 tickets. And this was probably three or four months ago. Okay. And I got to be honest with you. I don't know that the audience noticed, but I was nervous. You know, it was rusty. Uh, and I'll tell you when I knew that it was rusty was, when I was getting ready to end the show with my here's your signs, my key thing that's gotten me where I'm at, I couldn't remember one of them. Really? And I had to, I like had to go, you guys got a favorite. Here's your sign. You want to, <laughs> <laughs> you could get away with that. Cause you're Bill Ingvall, but I don't know. Maybe some other people might not. I don't know. I guess yeah, it depends on a, how far along be, you are. <laughs> I, I hope uh, that, the, uh, you know, I'm sure that it's, you know, if, if I literally had, four shows in a row, I'd be back in, in, in sync again. But, you know, like uh, in, in surprise Arizona where I'm doing the show, I think there's two shows. I'll say this. I'd be willing to bet the second show is better than the first show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to have to uh, check in with your publicist and ask how it goes. Cause I'm very curious to see <laughs> how your, I I've been doing this with all the comics I've been reaching out and saying, Hey, can I just talk to this person? And it's worked out because I like to hear, you know, how it goes for you. I've heard a lot of different things about how they're going to be able to get people into theaters. You know, there's going to be these COVID passports that people will have to provide if they got their shots, you know, if they have their testing done, you know, and it's going to be an app on your phone, just like you check into the airport. There's a lot of chatter, but I think, I hope I'm in California, so we've been getting hit the hardest just with all of this madness. And I'm hoping that it we come out of it by the summertime because yeah, me too. I miss live entertainment and I didn't go to a lot of concerts per se. I did a lot of comedy shows and 
I miss it. And now I'm like, well, I want to go to a concert now because I didn't before. <laughs> Cause it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I do think, it now. I, I honestly believe that part of this whole civil unrest right now is directly related to the fact that people have been confined and they, 100%. they're just, they don't know what to do and they're, they're lashing out at, and, but the problem is they're lashing out at the wrong things. Uh, but it, I think it's, you know, and I, I totally get it. Uh, you know, when this thing first started, I was literally, I remember saying, uh, talking to my friends, I go, yeah, I'll probably be a month and we'll be back at this. And, you know, I, I gotta be honest with you at this point, I'm tired of it. I'm ready. As my friend, you always said, COVID's drunk and he needs to go home. You know, it's yes. like, uh, we're, but I just hope that we come out of this better people. I hope that maybe we, maybe that pendulum will start swinging back a little bit. Uh, and I hope that be, I think, but I think there's going to, when shows start up again, I think you're going to see a thing that it's going to be hard to get a ticket because people are just so ready to get out of the house. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure your wife's probably ready for you oh, to be out of the house. You used to joke about that all the time in your comedy about being home too much. And now <laughs> I, yeah. I bet you're home like a lot more than she probably ever anticipated. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. We've been, we've, been, there's been some, you know, tense moments. You know, well, I'm like sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, cause it's like you said, for 35 years, 40 years, you know, I was, I, I was, I always teased her. I'm the perfect husband. I said, I go on the road, I pick up a check, I come home, I drop it off, I leave again. Yeah. Now, I'm the guy that doesn't ever leave the home. There's no check coming in. And <laughs> what do you want to stare at each other all day? And so, you know, uh, we, we found, but the, but the thing is Gail and I've been married now for 39 years and uh, we found a way to work. We've worked or found a way to work around this. You know, we understand it. You know, sometimes I just want to, you know, I'll just go for a walk or she will, or she'll go play sure. golf or I will. And we've, we found that that's what works for us. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 as she said, you know, I know we had been talking about kind of easing into retirement. She goes, I wasn't ready for it just to end. I go, me either sister. Well, it's funny. I'm sitting here as you're talking, thinking about stories that you used to tell when your kids had first left the house. And she used to tell you that she wanted to go on walks and go look at art and go to museums. And you kind of, scoffed at all of that but now the kids are grown and they're gone and now you don't have a job so to speak because you can't tour her and perform so right. literally again art imitating life a little bit being stuck at home but and actually now i can't even go see art because it's all <laughs> oh my goodness bill that is too much well you've had such an amazing career and you already alluded to this You've done it all, really. You've won so many awards. You've had all these tours. Is there anything that you would have done differently at all? Or would you have just kept it all the same? You know, even going back to when you first started and were beginning this whole journey of comedy and, and being funny and, and making people laugh. If In looking back, uh, one of the things I would have done is I'd have gone to L.A. earlier than I did. Uh, just because I was always kind of a day late and a dollar short, you know, like in the 80s, when they were, they were given sitcoms to every almost every sure. stand up. I didn't get out to L.A. till towards the end of the 80s. And, they, you know, they had kind of moved on. Other than that, stand up wise, I don't think I would have done anything different. Uh, you know, I, I try to tell young comedians that, you know, they, my friends and peers used to always get laugh at me because I did every TV show that can. 
I did evening at the improv. I did stand up spotlight. I did this. And they go, why do you do all these shows? I go, cause you've, you gotta get your name known. Uh, cause there's just too many good people out there that, uh, you know, that, that you had to work around and work over. So I, the only thing I had to be able to do was to just be work as hard and as much as I, I could, you know, uh, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier about being, a, you know, I miss my kids walking and talking for the first time. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't miss birthdays, but you know, uh, there was days, you know, when in the early touring days, I would be gone for four or five weeks at a time. Sure. And, and that's hard. Uh, but I, but I had to do what I had to do. And I, it's funny because as my kids are older now, I, I each one of them I've apologized to for not being around. And they both said the same thing. They said, Hey, it was your job, you know? So, uh, I gotta tell you, that's been the, the biggest, uh, contributor to my success is my family. hundred percent. And even when you've talked about your family and your act, it's always been in a positive and loving way. It's right. never been disparaging. I'm sure your kids don't look back at your work and go, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, you told this story or that story, or I will tell you, I will tell you one story about that. That The only <laughs> time anybody ever complained was my daughter. Okay. And after she explained it to me, I got it. But I used to do a joke about, uh, when the how to wash tag on their underwear is bigger oh, yeah. than the underwear. Well, apparently one day she was walking down the hall in high school and some kid who she didn't even know walked up to her and said, Hey, I heard your dad talking about your underwear. <laughs> so she wasn't real thrilled about that. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. But I mean, if that's the one thing out of the millions of hours of comedy, I yeah. guess that's, that's the worst and that's okay. Well, Bill, thank you so much. This has been uh, just a pleasure. I, I've been a fan for a long time. I remember back in the day listening to your albums when I was in the military on a guard gate talking about your IG Joes and, you know, the fish tanks and just all of the, I mean, everything going all the way back, you know, Dorkfish on is just, I've heard it all. And one day hopefully can, you know, as my kid gets older, get him interested in comedy as much as I love it. Yeah. I'm excited to see your, your arc finish up on last man standing and, and hopefully we get back to some sort of normalcy and you can start touring again. I think that's what the world needs right now. Well, thank you, Brett. And I will tell you that this has been really fun for me too, because you know, a lot of these things you do and it's just, you know, they'll, they want you just to be joking. A lot of, I think people get more out of really hearing what it's like and, hearing the real people, uh, you know, and that's, this has been a real joy for me. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you reached out to me and, and we're happy to do it again. Maybe who, who knows, maybe one day there'll be a, a Reverend Paul spinoff and we can do it again. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.